Welcome to the MedEvidence Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Corrin and Michelle McCormick. MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the real truth behind medical research with both a clinical and research perspective. In this podcast, we'll have discussions with physicians that have extensive experience in patient care and research. How do you know that something works? In medicine, we conduct clinical trials to see if things work. Now, let's get the truth behind the data. Welcome to MedEvidence, powered by Encore Research Group. Go to EncoreDocs.com. This is MedEvidence, Truth Behind the Data, with Dr. Michael Corrin. He is a practicing cardiologist and chief executive officer at Encore Research Group, which conducts trials across Florida, clinical trials across Florida. He has been the principal investigator of over 2,000 trials and has been published in the most prestigious medical journals. Dr. Corrin received his medical degree, cum laude, at Harvard Medical School. For more information on local trials, visit EncoreDocs.com. That's E-N-C-O-R. R-E-D-O-C-S.com or call 904-730-0166. Well, in this episode, Med Evidence, Truth Behind the Data with Dr. Michael Corrin, we're actually going to talk about truth behind the data. All right, Dr. Corrin, you've convinced me that truth is very important when it comes to clinical trials. Is there anything else that we need to dive into to kind of get back to the faith part? Okay. <laughs> okay, interesting question. So, so, yes, we do clinical trials to discover the truth, and we have methods that are... Uh, allow us to discover the truth. So that, that's very important. This gets back to the first question I asked you, is what's the opposite of faith? Mm-hmm. And you hemmed and hawed a little bit. I did, I did. But, but you but you basically came up with certainty as, yes. as the opposite. And that is one opposite. But the other opposite is doubt. Mm-hmm. Which so, I can see both sides. Yeah, yeah and, very and, much so. Right. So, so while we do clinical trials to establish the truth and why knowing the truth is very, very powerful – Faith is also very, very important. Mm-hmm. So as human beings, we we need faith. We need to operate in a, an environment where we're not going about our business always in doubt. That, that's a horrible way to go about your business. Right, and faith isn't always like a spiritual faith. It could be, yeah, it could be wrong. something spiritual, else. Yeah. Spiritual faith is important. Yes, yes. So that, you know, the, uh, we, we can get into a little spirituality in a second, but um, the, the, the important part is that even though we can discover the truth in circumstances, you discover the truth piece by piece. And there's a lot of stuff we just don't know. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's actually a lot more stuff that we don't know than we know. Mm-hmm. And so you have to go through life uh, not being in doubt of all the things you don't know. You have to have faith. You have to have faith that the sun's going to rise tomorrow. And you know, chances are going to be right, but maybe not. But you need faith to, to be able to go about your business and do that. Uh, religious faith is very, very important. It gets into some fundamental questions. Um, now I'm going to get a little philosophical here, and it maybe seem a little crazy, but this is sort of the way my mind works, is uh, you know, there's different uh, theories about the origin of the universe. Mm-hmm. So people of faith would say God created the universe, and people of physics would say there was the Big Bang Theory. And um, so the question I would ask, let's say, just as a scientist, is, well, what, what was there before the Big Bang? Like, where did all that stuff come from, from the Big Bang? Was it that, like, had it come from somewhere? And they would say, their argument would be, well, that's because you're, you're based in this old, like, God-like thinking. And the reason that that's hard for you to understand is that you're, you're perceiving time in a certain way. 
well, when you look at time as a circle rather than as something that, that's linear, then there's really no beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and so you say, oh, my God, that's like this mind-blowing concept <laughs> that, that, that time is not linear. And, right, right. And not, like, I, don't, I don't have any faith that that's the right answer. Right. And quite frankly, you're, make, you're asking me to take this huge leap of faith to believe that. And how is that different than believing in God? Right. So at the end of the day, it's so it's yeah. so out of our experience as human beings that it's a leap of faith either way. So I, I like to talk to my friends about that. And then they, they look the other way and they, they say, OK, can we go out for a drink? Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> but, um. <laughs> but I actually think that there is a, this, this interesting tie between religious religious faith and physics, because both require this conceptual leap and then ultimately just believing things that you can't really see. And so that, that's my little uh, uh, Now the, the wheels are spinning. Yes. But, hey, but I'm going to bring this back to clinical trials. So you ask, like, why would people do clinical trials? And part of it is faith, mm-hmm. is that when you're part of this process, it's a, an incredibly nurturing process where people are asking a lot of questions about things and we understand what's going on with you. And we can use that understanding to help you on an individual basis. So, of course, if you're doing a clinical trial for blood pressure and we learn something about uh, a a test that may mean that you're at risk for cancer, we're going to share that with you. We're going to help you try to figure that out. And uh, we may not do it within that clinical trial, but we're going to get you the resources to figure out how to do that Mm -hmm. so that you have some benefit from that experience. So people do it because there's a faith that you're dealing with well-intentioned people that are looking out for the other people who are involved. And of course, we have a regulatory obligation to report all this to the government. Mm -hmm. So if we do an exploration in a clinical trial and we find out that there may be cancer or there may be um, some other complication or something positive, maybe we'll find out that, hey, you're in this blood pressure study, but your heart is perfect. Yeah. So you can have faith that we're going to create information and share that with you that will ultimately educate each individual patient and and ultimately help them feel that they've had some positive reinforcement for their participation in clinical trial. And of course, there are other things. There are some tangible things. In a lot of clinical trials, you actually get a medication. So mm-hmm. you get you know real medication. Medications can be very expensive and you get stuff for free. Yeah. Uh, clinical trials are typically funded by external sources. And, and when you get involved in clinical trials, you don't have to have medical insurance. You don't have to even tell us if you have medical insurance. Um, we, we take care of things uh, that are part of the study. And sometimes those things are pretty valuable. It could be a test, a CAT scan, an MRI scan. We're doing some Alzheimer's work. We do these um, very sophisticated and expensive brain tests, mm. a PET scanning of the brain, where you would never typically get that without paying a lot of money for it. So there are some very tangible benefits. Uh, it's relationship building. Right. Um, I have some great patient relationships through clinical trials. And, uh, you know, they're wonderful. Uh, hopefully I bring something to the table in terms of helping that person. They bring something to me in terms of their volunteerism and their faith right. in the process. Right. And that, that's fabulous. And then, you know, people get paid for what they do. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, um, to quote the Godfather, we're all capitalists here. So it, it's okay to, to, to volunteer and get some money for it. Yeah. So I, I had a friend who volunteered to do one of the COVID mm-hmm. trials and was very happy to be a part of that. Really wanted to be able to give back and, and have that experience. How does somebody get involved in a clinical trial? They just give us a call. It's very simple. Um, yeah, we, we go into the name of Encore Docs or jacksresearch.com. 
Um, if I remember correctly, our phone number is uh, 904-730-0166. You remembered right. <laughs> there's a few things I still remember. <laughs> you got it. Um, and and it, so it's pretty easy. You can look at us, look us up on the web or give us a phone call. And again, um, we have programs that are specific to uh, people that have particular illnesses. And sometimes we work with physicians uh, in the community to try to find those patients and see if we can help them and, of course, gain knowledge. And then we do things that are preventative, like the vaccine. So, you know, if you're a healthy person that doesn't want to get sick with RSV, we can help you. If you don't want to get sick with a tropical illness, we can help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there are things that you can do even as a healthy person. Yeah, I think that is, it's awesome to know that that's available. And, it, and it's right here mm-hmm. in, in our backyard that especially in Northeast Florida, that we do have that for people. Yeah, we're, we're fortunate here is that we are actually an important pod in, in the U.S. and around the world for doing pretty sophisticated clinical trial work. And we're getting more and more recognition for, for our contributions to these worldwide efforts. Yeah, your website's very informative, too. There's videos, uh, there's testimonials from folks, too. So, so really informative. Yeah, and, and, and of course, there's MedEvidence, which is the truth behind the data. Yes, all right. Okay, now let's not deviate from the original segment one. Right, lading tasting tea. Dying to know okay, so the, <laughs> the conclusion of was this. The, was, was she able to or not able to distinguish if the milk went first or the tea went first for her afternoon tea, mm-hmm. which of course is a incredible British ritual. And just remind everybody that didn't hear the first segment is that there was a very famous statistician named R.A. Fisher who wrote this beautiful paper saying that I can tell if she's telling the truth based on an experiment that is prospective, blinded, and randomized. Yeah, I want to know if there were crumpets involved or <laughs> cookies or whatever they call well, their crackers, a, 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 <laughs> scones. A, a, of course, this is British tea. <laughs> yes. And again, just to remind everybody, this deterministic statistic is the basis for truth-finding. It's why clinical trials work. And it's distinguished from what we call Bayesian statistics, which is more probabilistic. And it's different than just uh, this concept that if you repeat something over and over again, it becomes the truth. There is the ability to hypothesis test things, which is such a critical part of what we do scientifically in medicine and also outside of medicine. It's mm-hmm. also it, This is also true for other things and it uses deductive reasoning. So you build a building by testing the beams. Mm-hmm. And if the beams are strong enough to hold a certain load, you know you can build a certain building and you don't have to be worried. You don't have to doubt whether or not that building is going to collapse when you put the roof tiles on. Right. Because you know that it, the beams can hold the weight through hypothesis testing. Yes. So thank you, Mr. Fisher. Thank you. Um, thank you, Lady Tasting Tea. All right. The, the other thing, just one last thing before I give the answer, mm-hmm. is that you know, everybody's subject to biases. So uh, uh, Fisher used to like to smoke. We've talked about smoking. And and um, you know, even back then, there was data showing that smokers tended to have more health problems than non-smokers. And, and, and Fisher said, well... Uh, that may be true, but we have to look at this objectively. And he said, well, maybe it's possible that the reason smokers um, don't live as long is because they have less willpower and they're more subject to Mm. peer pressure 
and to advertising. Okay. So maybe that's but really not the health part right, of it not, at all. Right, right. It's not actually the the inhaling of the tobacco. Yeah. It has to do with the fact that you have less willpower and you're more subject to the whims of the public and and peer pressure and other things. Of course, that turned out to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And it would. And his methodology was where we figured out he he was wrong. But he was biased because he happened to enjoy tobacco. Ah, okay. So again, so he was a good example of using his own methodology to determine what we know now, which is smoking, inhaling, burning tobacco is very dangerous. We're, we're actually doing smoking studies now. We're actually doing studies that look at uh, helping people quit smoking. But interesting, also looking at ways of giving people nicotine that's less dangerous. Because as we've talked about mm-hmm. in previous segments is that people like nicotine. Right. Fish are like nicotine. Right. And it makes people feel good. So are there ways of getting nicotine where you're not uh, you're not trashing your lungs? Right. In a healthier in a healthier way. Exactly. So, oh, you know what? You mentioned something earlier, too, in one of the past segments about your science fair project. Ah. Uh. Well, that, that we may have to do another podcast okay. for that because right. that gets into a, a, big, a big story about my daughter's science fair project. Oh, okay. Yeah, she has a long history. That that, could, right. be, that could be another podcast. We can but, table that. But we will, we will table that. But I will say is that um, I, I do consider one of my missions is to training people about the scientific method, including my own kids, <laughs> despite the fact that they were kicking and screaming to, to go the other way. You know, and coming up with a hypothesis, I have to say, Dr. Coram, was one of the hardest things right. about doing science fair projects. Well, I'll, I'll just give you one little tease on that. So my, I had uh, multiple science fair projects that I worked with my kids on. One of them had to do with conditions for growing plants. And my daughter kind of forgot about the experiment <laughs> and just left all the plants in the dark for, <laughs> for two weeks. Okay. And, and they all turned brown. Mm, and her, imagine that. Right, and, and her science fair project was to describe the way they looked. So she's very literary. So she was talking about the interesting shade of amber uh, of one part of the plant while the other part of the plant was a deep brown of distress. Oh, very good. So she was very literary and and (laughs) she had like, you know, this beautiful science fair project describing the, the pain the, the and suffering. The death of these plants. Of, of, the, of the plants. Of, of course, we have the hypothesis, but it, it, it kind of worked. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we but digress. Anyhow, so, all right. Without further ado. Yes. The lady was able to determine whether or not milk was put in first or tea was put in first. Hmm. And Fisher had, had proven that with his hypothesis. And actually, the statistic that's used to show that type of uh, information, to make that deduction, and to figure out whether or not the null hypothesis is correct or not, is called the Fisher exact test. Okay. So there's a statistic that we use all the time that proves whether or not something is true or not, called the Fisher exact test, based on the lady tasting tea. Hmm. I love it. That's great. I was hoping, I didn't know which way that that would go. So you can have faith (laughs) in ladies tasting tea. Michelle McCormick, and we want to thank Dr. Michael Corrin for his clinical and research perspective behind the science in this episode of Med Evidence, the truth behind the data.